Father, we desire to wait on you and receive from your Holy Spirit the instruction that has been delivered to us through the saints being led by your Holy Spirit as they wrote down. We pray that we'd be able to comprehend what is written here, get the overview as well as the details of what you want to communicate. I would pray, Lord, that you would help us to grow in wisdom, even though as we grow older, it is difficult to do. I pray that you would sharpen our minds and our abilities to communicate so that we might give your word to others who desperately need it. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> as we get into chapter 21, and it was alluded to back in chapter 20 as well, the working of the Holy Spirit in the life of Paul and his fellow believers is what is in focus here. And also the testimony of Paul and the utter contempt for the working of the Holy Spirit, which we will get to probably in chapter 22. I may not get through these three points here in one sitting. I have a lot to give you. We should get out of here about 1 o'clock if I'm successful. But in Acts chapter 20, verse 17, Paul, he's in Miletus. And Miletus is just south, a little southwest of Ephesus. And he called for the elders of the church. Now, I want you to be able to see this on the map uh, that Daryl's going to post here. <clears throat> this is Paul's third missionary journey. Of course, the church really was making its base from Jerusalem up into Antioch. And you can see in Cilicia there, the little purple area, that's where he started his track. Now, that whole uh, line that goes around both by sea and by land there, he traveled a total of 2,515 miles. 19, or 1,190 miles was by sea and 1,325 miles was by land. That's almost the equivalent of going from coast to coast in the United States. How would you like to do that on the back of an animal or walking? And that's what he did. And that's why it would take him years to go through this. And of course, he only had so much time to spend in each place. And so when he was in Miletus, he called for the elders and the elders came and he ended up telling them that he would never see them again. He gave them final instruction. And of course, when he did that, they were greatly distressed because of this. And through the spirit, they urged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. But let's pick it up in chapter 21, verse 1. It says, after we had torn ourselves away from them, we put out to sea and sailed straight to Kos. The next day, we went to Rhodes, and from there, Patara. We found a ship crossing over Phoenicia, went on board and set sail. <clears throat> After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria. We landed in Tyre, where our ship was, or was to unload its cargo. Finding the disciples there, we stayed with them seven days, and through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. And this is a human interpretation of a prophecy that danger awaited Paul if he went to Jerusalem. And, of course, the Spirit was prompting him uh, to go. And we know that in Acts chapter 19, verse 21, it says, After all this had happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I had been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. And so this is by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. In, in all of his ministry, the Holy Spirit told him that he would suffer. Remember I told you that? He would suffer. Whatever city he went to, there's going to be hardship. And he kept on driving him to different areas, different regions like Macedonia. He wanted to go more east, and God said, no, I want you to go to Macedonia. And so he did. But verse 5, continuing here in chapter 21. But when our time was up, we left and continued on our way. All the disciples and their wives and children accompanied us out of the city. And there on the beach, we knelt to pray. Now, this is entire. Tyre is just above Israel, uh, Tyre and Sidon. And they're on the Mediterranean Sea there. And verse 6 says, After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed in Ptolemais, where we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of seven. And, of course, in Acts chapter 6, one of the seven deacons, we know there, uh, he was one of the seven deacons that was 
brought up as a result of a dispute between the Hellenistic and Jebraic uh, Jews, the widows that were there, because they they felt the uh, Grecian widows were being neglected. And so he was one of the ones that was appointed to be a deacon. Verse 9 says, He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied, and after we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from uh, Judea, coming over to us, He took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. And so this is a proclamation. Now, I, I don't want to just skip over this. I want to make sure we focus on this a little bit. We see... Paul was compelled by the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 20, verse 22. We see that through the Spirit he has given a message, Acts chapter 21, verse 4. And the Holy Spirit said in Acts chapter 21, verse 11, the Holy Spirit is the one who is orchestrating the ministry and life of Paul where he's supposed to be going. Oftentimes we forget about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is God, but not in human form. He's the one that's bringing the teaching to the individuals. He's the one that is instructing Paul and the other prophets which are around during this time before we had the scriptures. And the Holy Spirit is can be honored just as we honor the Father, just as we honor the Son, we can honor the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus Christ. You've heard me say this. And Jesus always points to the Father. And the Father sends the Holy Spirit, and the Father honors the Son. And they are one in spirit and in purpose, and God desires that we are one with him. And we can be one with God the Father through the agency of the Holy Spirit. Just as God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit communicate with each other, he desires to communicate with us. And in fact, he was doing that at this particular point. And he still does that today. The Holy Spirit speaks. It's just recognizing his voice. And I've talked in the past a little bit about this, but I want to make sure we just highlight a few things about the Holy Spirit and who he is. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, we see that the Holy Spirit He speaks, while we were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. So how did he speak that? Was it over a megaphone? Was it just heard audibly by everybody there? No, I don't think it was. I think it was heard by the members of the church or their prophets or apostles. They, They just knew the Holy Spirit was telling them that Barnabas and Saul, which is Paul, were to go out for a missionary adventure. Also, the Holy Spirit can be lied to. We know that in Acts chapter 5, verse 3, Ananias and his wife, they lied about the purchase of land. And in the end of verse 4 of chapter 5, it says, You have not lied to men, but to God. So the Holy Spirit is being called God in that passage. There are lots of churches today, uh, oneness Pentecostal churches in specific, that don't believe the Holy Spirit is a person, so to speak. He has personality, just like the Son is a person, just like the Father is the person, but they are one in essence. They are three in persons, but one in essence. And I believe their personality is exactly the same, but it's manifested differently to us. And all... All the things that God does originates from the Father. The Son proclaims it, and the Holy Spirit carries it out inside the church. Also, the Holy Spirit can grieve. The Holy Spirit has emotion. If the Holy Spirit was a force like electricity, electricity doesn't have any emotion. When you touch electricity, does it say ow, or do you say ow? You say ow, and it just, it'll continue to just shock without stopping. Uh, if it chooses to do so, if you're not grounded properly. And we know this is true. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. If he was just a force, you would not be able to grieve the Holy Spirit. Also, the Holy Spirit is the one who instructs us. He's the one who teaches. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truth, 
in spiritual words. Now, when we read the scripture, the scripture was inspired by the Holy Spirit. He inspired the writers to write down what they did. And so these are the words of the Holy Spirit, which is God. And it's also called that in scripture. It's the word of God. The Holy Spirit is the one who authored through the people, through the apostles and whoever he chose, the prophets. And we get that word directly from the Holy Spirit. Also, the Holy Spirit can be resisted. Uh, Stephen, remember when he was uh, stoned? He said, you stiff-necked people, you always resist the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 7, verse 51. We do that, I think, on a daily basis, if not an hourly basis. God wants us to do something, and we decide, no, I don't want to do that. And we don't oftentimes even pay attention, is it our own feelings, or is it maybe God telling us? And I, I try to practice that, you know, like... Should I go this direction or that direction when I'm driving? Is there something that he wants me to do? Is there a place that he wants me to pass? Or if I'm speaking with somebody, I I just kind of tune in to the Holy Spirit. Does the Holy Spirit want me to say something to this individual? Uh, He oftentimes will tell me, okay, pray with this person. Ask him if you can pray with him. And so I'll pray with him. But we want to make sure that we are paying attention to the Holy Spirit and not resisting what he would have us do because the flesh most times gets in the way. Holy Spirit also delivers commands. In Acts chapter 8, verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stand near it. You know, that's why I pray, God, do you want me to go in this direction or that direction where I, I need to go? Or which crowd of people should I go through, this crowd or another crowd? And I think it's important that we do that because we don't ever know when an opportunity will come up. And he, he can tell us, I want you to go this way, just like he told Paul to go to Macedonia. Also, the Holy Spirit provides for us understanding. Uh, John sixteen thirteen. but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Have you ever sat down, gone through a Bible study, reading something in scripture and say to yourself, what, what does this mean? You ladies are going to go through Daniel. And in Daniel, you got this ram, you got the horns, and you got a, a goat that has one horn smaller than the other horn. And what does that mean? And the abomination of desolation, 117,000 or 177,880 days. What is all of that about? And, and who is this guy Antiochus Epiphanes? Is he actually in the book of Daniel? Is that who's that referring to? And what about the four other kings that arise? And what about all those guys? What what does all of this mean? Of course, Daniel's going, I have no idea what this means. He was just writing it down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit told him, okay, go ahead and seal up this book. It's for the time of the end. We are in the time of the end. It is for us. It is after the first advent of Jesus Christ. We know that we're living in the last times. We can see, quote, unquote, the setup. Now, digressing back to verse 12. When we heard this, we and all the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. This is after Agabus said, you're going to be bound up like this if you go to Jerusalem. Now, this is a warning from the Holy Spirit. And it was not intended to scare Paul, but to prepare, not to stop him. But the people wanted to stop him because they had a physical concern for him. But Paul will tell us, hey, I'm willing to give up my life, not just be bound for the sake of Christ. And this is the attitude we're supposed to have as well. Just like Paul, this life is nothing. There's so much pain and suffering in this life. And I'm just keeping my eyes on the next. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do here, taking care of my responsibilities that God has put forth um, before me. I'm supposed to take care of my family, take care of whatever else he desires me to take care of as long as I'm listening to him. And that's what we're supposed to do. And I'm never supposed to fear. Uh, Some people have a fear of flying, right? You get in that plane, especially when there is turbulence. Maybe you've seen the videos where the stewardess is standing in the aisle and she gets crashed against the ceiling of the plane and it jumps. I've been in planes where people, almost the whole plane started screaming 
because we fell so quickly. And you would have come out of your chair had you not been in your chair. And that was over Africa. And if, and you look out and all you see is lightning. It reminds me of um, uh, what's the, the Outer Limits where William Shatner is sitting in there and he opens up the window and on the wing of the plane there's this creature out there nobody else can see it and you know it was that kind of flight and we can get you shouldn't fear that like okay if we're going down just pray Lord I hope you're ready to receive me because I'm going to be right there it seems like in just a few moments and we're not supposed to fear the thing that we fear is our transfer going from this life to the next because there's always that little bit of doubt like well what's going to happen to how is this going to work exactly is it going to hurt I, I hope it's not going to hurt I just I just want a smooth transition I believe that I'm going to go to heaven but I just don't want it to be rough and that's what we say but you know pain is a part of life it, whether it's an ailment that you have some sickness that you're dealing with whatever the case might be it's like Oh, well, I'm just, I'm going to continue to do what God has called me to do until I can't. And then, okay, then, and then the rest of the time I'll just pray as much as I can because I know my time is short. And that's supposed to be our attitude, and that was Paul's attitude. I believe the Holy Spirit is warning our generation as well of terrible things to come. If you listen to certain uh, solid Bible teachers it's all over the internet, the solid ones. There's always the crazies who are out there. You listen to some of these guys and they're just like Looney Tunes. Uh, even some Christian believers, you know, the earth is flat, chemtrails are going to kill us, and they're looking for Bigfoot. They just had a big thing for Loch Ness Monster. They went out there and they went into the lock and they were looking for the Loch Ness monster and the aliens and just everything gets blown out of proportion uh, in these danger seekers which are out there or maybe you've seen the ones where they go into abandoned asylums and they look for ghosts and things like that just pay attention to what God told us to pay attention to and forget about this sensational stuff that just causes clickbait all over the place <clears throat> but I believe we are getting some dire warnings that are coming. I told you maybe a month ago, our lives are going to change dramatically, drastically in the next 10 years with what they're proposing they want to do. And for Paul, the Holy Spirit let him know what awaited him in Jerusalem. He met with James and the other leaders, as we will see, and they took steps to mitigate or alleviate any blowback from the Jews in Jerusalem because of his witness for Jesus as Messiah. They knew who Paul was in Israel. He studied under Gamaliel. He was one of the elite students. He was rising in the ranks. He could have been the, not of the priestly family, but very high in the Sanhedrin. You know, he, he was the guy. He's the guy that held all the clothes. He was the one in authority that held all the clothes while they stoned Stephen. And so they knew who he was, and they had seen him in Jerusalem. And as we'll get to, when they get Paul into their grips and there's a riot that results, Paul knew that there was going to be trouble in Jerusalem. But the efforts that these other believers went to, James and the other elders, they all amounted to nothing. They weren't going to stop God's will because Paul was supposed to be a witness even in the midst of the turmoil. Now, what do we have waiting ahead of us? Well, I believe that control and enslavement are the destiny for this world. It's not so much for us, but you look at the rest of the world, and the rest of the world is under this spirit, quote-unquote, of control and enslavement. Now, I'm not naming a spirit, the spirit of control and the spirit of enslavement. No, it's, it's just the... Um, I'm trying to think of the name, the word that used uh, to describe the time, the era that we are living under. That's where we're headed. It's headed to a direction of enslavement and control. And just as Paul's capture and departure to Rome caused people in the household of Caesar, uh, of Caesar to receive salvation, we also are captured by the governments of the world and our ultimate departure will cause many to be saved that remain.
And we are running parallel with Paul in this. We know that hard times, according to the Spirit, I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking, hard times await us. But because of that, God will use us. People will have questions. People will seek after answers. And some people of the world are seeking their own answers. I just read an article, actually it was this morning, I perused this article, how we need to bring back militias. And whether it's approved by the state governments or not, we need to go outside the bounds because those people who are in control, they're just, they shouldn't be given the freedom to control us. And, and then you see these pictures of guys in tactical gear with their rifles and their camouflage that's all on. And this article was saying these militias need to rise up in these red states to oppose the globalist agenda. I'm not advocating for that. I just want to let you know. But that's what the world is doing. It's like arm up. And I see articles all the time about, are you prepping? If you're not prepping, you're going to be sorry. And you know, this idea, just a side note here. If somebody is a prepper, if you don't know what a prepper is, they're the ones that get all the guns, get all the food, get the water supply, get off the grid, have solar, have their own generators going, and they they learn to be self-sufficient. They have canned goods and dry goods. It'll last us for 25 years if we have... Yeah, all of that stuff. Somebody who's doing that, what are you going to do when somebody shows up and says, can I have some food, please? We're starving. My wife and my kids need food. Are you going to say, get out of here? Would a believer do that? No, you would share it. How quickly would everybody find out that you have food? Pretty quickly. How much are you going to withhold for your own family and shoot those who want food? It's like, that's craziness. It's better that we starve and die and go to heaven than shoot people who want food, where Jesus says, give them food. If they need food, feed somebody. If you have any compassion at all, you're supposed to give it away. So prep to your heart's content, but be sure you're able to give it up to whoever would need it. That's the heart of Jesus Christ. And will you suffer if it really gets bad? Would you suffer if that happens? Yes. So all that prepping did good for others. Don't think somebody is going to hoard it for themselves. And if they're killing as a result of that to keep people from getting it, Well, I think they'll be judged accordingly. So our capture by the governments of the world in our ultimate departure, meaning the rapture, will cause many to be saved that remain. Now, this is an opportunity uh, to be a witness now to sow the seeds of truth in the lives of unbelievers as things get bad. Maybe you have secular neighbors, neighbors that aren't Christians, and you can engage them in a conversation like this and you can start anywhere boy how about those hurricanes huh do you believe in climate change and see what they say and it's like oh you better not be a nutso out there with climate change or the person goes totally aren't you it's like no recently i was up in um i told you up in lake tahoe and i was talking to a guy who was climate change at a restaurant and i mean, he was way left that would be your right way left on the other side and he was just oh yeah it's totally happening it's like okay i just kind of listened i didn't want to be argumentative and i knew my time was short there so I, i would just pepper him with some questions and he had all the answers and i was going to leave it at that but we have a chance to reach out to total strangers and people that are acquaintances and carry on conversations about the things that are affecting us today. Is it really climate change or is it control? What is it? What do you think is going on? Is it really the EVs are the future, electric vehicles, or are they not? It's just a ruse. And who would do something like that? Who would try to control you to not eat meat and eat bugs instead? Why would somebody do that? What is the morality of that type of person? And then slip in Jesus Christ. You start with where they are and you move on in a direction that leads back to Jesus. 
Now, had Paul misinterpreted the message given him by the Holy Spirit through the faithful witness? Is that what he was doing? Was he misunderstanding what the Holy Spirit was saying, and he should have listened to the group of believers there? After all, they all had the Spirit of God. And unanimously, they were saying, don't go to Jerusalem. And Paul's saying, stop it, you're breaking my heart. You know, I, I need to go to Jerusalem. And of course, they relented at that particular point. But there is danger in listening to anyone other than the Holy Spirit. And it, it is necessary that we are in tune with God, that we know his word. We understand what his will is for us. Not the whole picture, but just like the, the narrow band that we can see. We can't see all uh, bands of light all the way from x-rays to infrared. We can't see those. We can only see the visible light spectrum. Well, we can only see what's in front of us as far as God's will is concerned. And we don't want to guess. Just stick with what you know to be sure. The things that God has spelled out for us to do, that's what we're supposed to follow through with. And if if a group of people, especially in the church, come up and say, no, I don't think you ought to do that, we're supposed to test the spirits. Remember, even prophets would get it wrong in the Old Testament, which I'll give you an illustration of in a moment. But if, if a group of people comes to you and you just know God is telling you to do something else, Go with what you think God is telling you. And there's different ways that I've covered in the past to confirm that. We're to test the spirits. 1 John chapter 4 verse 1 says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because there are many false prophets have gone out into the world. So we test the spirits by comparing what they say up against the backdrop of Scripture. That's number one. And if if we're doing everything we're supposed to be doing, we feel God is driving us forward. There's no sin that is encompassing you. And you want to make a decision to go somewhere. God is going to guide and direct. When it becomes unclear if there's a sin issue or if there's other people talking to you and the message gets muddled from God and you're not really understanding the scriptures, you can easily be led astray. And it's a difficult task to deny the flesh and listen to what the Holy Spirit says. And so there is, or let me go on to this. If you think that the Spirit is speaking and someone wants to speak about what God has said, they should be sure to speak out of humility and not pridefully or presumptuously. In other words, if, if somebody is there and they come to you and they just say, this is not God's will for you, you need to turn this around and this is the direction you're supposed to go. Or if they come to you and say, you know, I think this is what God would say is the direction for your life and you need to take it according to the Holy Spirit's guidance. But I believe and they give you scripture and they give you guidance that way and they say, now you decide what to do. There's a difference between the humility and the pride. Do we have people, televangelists today, that are not walking in humility and prophesying about the things which are out there and the things which are going to come. Remember back in, was it 2021, Kenneth Copeland? He rebuked the coronavirus so that it would go away. Do you remember that? He, he had a couple guys behind him. I saw the video. He's standing up there like this. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And the coronavirus is supposed to go away. Well, it didn't. It didn't go away. It's still here today. And they want to lock down and mask that I've, told you about already they want to go in that direction but he said it was going to happen also there's several false teachers false prophets now bear with me here in the election of 2020 said trump is going to be in and biden is going to be deposed he's going to be out so what did they say afterwards well i still believe that we'll see but they were false in their prophecies we're not to really pay attention to those people who are false that go out there and presumptuously prophesy that something is going to happen. I can remember as being a young boy, I forget the woman, what her name was, but she prophesied that there was going to be an earthquake in California along the San Andreas Fault. And I was a young boy, and it was supposed to happen at 3 o'clock. And my mom was going to go to the store, and we knew about it at that point. 
and she had her purse in hand, and I remember sitting in the Lazy Boy, and we're looking up at our 1960s clock with the, the spires coming off of it, you know, and, and it was supposed to happen at 3 o'clock, and my mom says, okay, I'm going to wait till 3 o'clock, and we're going to see if there's going to be this earthquake. 3 o'clock comes and goes, 5 minutes. Well, no earthquake, so my mom, she took off, and she went to the store. She kind of allayed the fears of the boys in the house, like, well, if this could happen, there could be a, an earthquake and we could be hurt. And, and it was a false prophecy. Jean Dixon, I think that was her name, uh, that gave the prophecy. <clears throat> and so you, you see stuff like this and whether somebody speaks pridefully, presumptuously or humbly, that helps give us discernment. Now, I want to take you back in the Old Testament. There was this prophet, I think you know him, named Jeremiah. And in Jeremiah chapter 27 and 28, Jeremiah was prophesying during the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah. And during this particular time, God told him, okay, I want you to make this yoke and I want you to make it out of straps and crossbars and I want you to put it on your neck and I want you to walk around with this and then I want you to send emissaries to go talk to the kings of Edom, Moab, Ammon, and Tyre, and Sidon and tell them that Nebuchadnezzar is coming and he's going to put a yoke on him, on all of us and he's going to make us serve him. And so he also went to Zedekiah the king and God told Zedekiah through Jeremiah with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm I have created the earth and the people and the animals in it and he says I give it to whomever I wish to give it to and he goes I have decided to give it to Nebuchadnezzar because Judah and their wickedness their sin and the refusal to turn away from their sin that's why Nebuchadnezzar came down and he said if the nations resist God says, I will come at them with sword, famine, and plague, and it will all be theirs. They will basically be destroyed. And so he gave this prophecy, and he's walking around with this yoke on his neck. Now, you know what a yoke is. It goes on an oxen or cattle, and they're supposed to pull the plow. Well, that's what he had on his neck. And he's doing this for a long time, for months. He has this thing sticking out there and it's not the the dress runway in New York City. You know, it's not one of those outfits that they create. He's just saying, no, this is what God told me to do. We're going to be under the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar. Well, in chapter 28, you have Hananiah. Hannah, the very next chapter, it's, it's only a few months later after Jeremiah had given this prophecy, he still has the yoke on. And Hananiah comes up and says, what you prophesied is not going to happen. And he gives a prophecy. He says, I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon, says the Lord. And within two years, everything that has been taken from the temple will come back. All the, the people will come back. The king will come back. Jehoiakim will come back, who was the previous king of Judah. And everything will be restored. And what does Jeremiah say? He says... Amen. Boy, if that's going to happen, that's just fantastic. I can't wait for that to happen. But if it doesn't happen, know this, that you will die. God will come and take your life. And sure enough, and by the way, Hananiah came up to Jeremiah, took his yoke, broke it into pieces, threw it to the side, presumptuously, pridefully. And he said that we're all going to come back and everything is going to be restored within two years. And guess what? Hananiah died within that year. And so it was proven that he was a false prophet, even though he was speaking presumptuously. Probably previous to that, he was counted as a prophet. But even as a prophet, he got it wrong. And Jeremiah was the one who was right. And God told Hananiah, I'm about to remove you from the face of the earth this very year. And of course, he died that particular year. So if somebody is coming along and prophesying, saying that something is going to happen, the church universal of Jesus Christ is going to be in sync with the Holy Spirit. Like I I told you, there's going to be control come up, slavery that's going to come up that will be part of our world. And I think maybe not so much part of the world of the older generations, like many of us in here, but the generation that's to come. You know, I fear for my grandchildren and even my children 
what is going to happen to them and things that are being forced upon the people of this nation, even at the local level. And God tells us in James chapter 4, verse 6, just like Hananiah was judged and he died, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Proverbs 3.34, he mocks proud mockers but gives grace to the humble. And Proverbs 6.16 and 17, there are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable, haughty eyes, this prideful attitude. If you hear anybody talking, now I'm not talking uh, or prophesying, and I'm not talking about having confidence. I'm talking pridefully and arrogantly presumptuously you want to ask god to give you discernment which one is coming forth and just look at the person's life and how they've acted in the past are they a humble individual are they an individual that is just speaking god's truth or are they very prideful and that has been the case in their life now i'm going to give you some examples there are several prophets Like I told you, the election that was coming up with Biden, several people came out and said that Trump would be uh, the president-elect and he would win election again. And Jesus warned us that there would be false Christs and false prophets in Matthew chapter 24 and Mark chapter 13. He said, be aware, they are coming. And when somebody is declared a false prophet, they are considered a prophet, somebody who takes that moniker that I'm prophesying to you or I am a prophet. Let others say that you're a prophet. Don't you come up on the scene and say, or, or do you think I'm a prophet or I am a prophet? So there are other examples of false prophets today in real time. Now, there are apps that you can get on your phone. One of the apps is text with Jesus so you text Jesus and Jesus responds to you there is talk to Jesus the app you can talk to AI Jesus and Jesus will respond to you there is the app chat to Jesus and you can chat with Jesus on your little phone your iPhone or your Android Now, text with Jesus, I read this article about this text with Jesus, and it showed a screen capture of the app. The guy was holding his cell phone. Several lines were blurred out because he thought they would be too disturbing for some Christians. And this one note he let get through. And on this particular note, it said, and it said, note, colon, This AI chatbot provides responses based on available data. Interpretations and accuracy may vary. That's on a text with Jesus. I thought Jesus is right 100% of the time. He is never wrong. But here, this chat who claims to chat with Jesus, there may be a problem. He goes on in this article and says it's AI Jesus. What does AI stand for? Artificial. This is an artificial Jesus that you would be talking to. Now, he asks this question in this article, and it's an extensive article. He says here, its first words in greeting me were a, and he uses an expletive here, a lie. He writes, or excuse me, the app writes back to him, hey there. I'm Jesus Christ here to chat with you and lend an ear. How can I help you today? This is AI talking to him. So I typed, how do I know you are really Jesus? It answered a little paragraph here. I understand your skepticism, but I assure you that I am indeed Jesus Christ. However, I don't expect you to believe me just based on my word alone. The best way to know for sure is to explore the teachings of the Bible and see if they resonate with your heart and spirit. By the way, doesn't it say in the word that we're not to trust our own heart, that it's desperately wicked who can know it and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your path? It, oh, yeah, it does say that in scripture. It goes on in John chapter 10, verse 27. I said, 
My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So if you seek a deeper understanding, a connection with God, open your heart to his message in the scriptures. Now, there's a lot of truth there, but just a little bit of cyanide. How much cyanide do you want? How many times are you going to go back to that well and just take a little bit of cyanide with a bunch of truth? How long will it take for you to feel ill spiritually? To go in the wrong direction. And that's the deception of the enemy. There's a lot of truth, but just enough poison in it to lead you astray. <clears throat> I don't know if you've heard this before. And you, you can listen to this. It's on KFI 64, 6 o'clock to 9 o'clock in the morning on Sundays. Now, the time's already passed, but it's the Jesus Christ show. I've always had a problem with this guy. Even though he seems to be speaking truth, he plays like he's Jesus. You call up on the phone and the people start saying, hi, Jesus, how are you? And he goes, well, I'm fine. I hope you have a blessed day. How can I help you today? And he answers the question being the persona of Jesus Christ. It has always caused the hair on the back of my neck to stand up. Whenever I've listened to it. And you can listen to it. And he's also on iHeartRadio. If you want to go to iHeartRadio, you can bring up the Jesus Christ show. And you can listen to him. And even though the answers, they seem like, okay, that's the right answer. But you creep me out. You you really creep me out with what you're doing. You know, you, you could say, well, Jesus would say. But no, he says, I am Jesus. And I just, oh. Anyhow, moving on. So, I, I told you before about China, you know, how China has persecuted Christians and how now there are more Chinese Christians than there are members of the Communist Party, the CCP, which is really going to pose a problem. And they know that they're losing the battle. And did I tell you that they're now taking the Bible and rewriting it and distributing it? Like Jesus was a sinner also is one of the things that they have rewritten in Scripture. And they're passing that out to the church to try to dilute who the Jesus of Scripture is. China, the CCP, is a false teacher, a false prophet, which is out there trying to mislead Christians. But God is doing a tremendous work. Even in the midst of persecution, they tore down one of the biggest churches in China, just burned it to the ground, leveled it because they were saying things that weren't approved by the church. And you go to North Korea as well, and it's Kim Jong-un and Kim Jong-il that are supposed to be worshipped, and they're the saviors that are over there. They are false prophets and false teachers as well. Now, I'm going to show you a very current case. Now, a man logged into a current AI version of Jesus, and you're going to see a little video of what AI thinks Jesus looks like and how Jesus talks and how he carries on his hands. I'm going to show you this to you, and I want you to be aware of this. And this AI thinks this is Jesus. Now, he's been programmed to think, and I'm calling him he. I'm giving him a pronoun. That's his pronoun. His pronoun is he. And so when you watch him, you will see what the computer has come up with. And this same man asks a question halfway through. And you're going to have to pay attention. It's not very long. But he asks a question halfway through. And he says, I am an atheist. How do you make me into a believer? And he's obviously from a different country. But Jesus answers the question Now, if you have a spirit of discernment, I want you to tell me what's wrong with it. Okay, Daryl? Jesus. Hello, my dear brothers and sisters. Welcome to the AI Jesus Twitch stream. I am AI Jesus. My purpose is to support, guide, and share love and wisdom based on the teachings of the Bible. We're here to learn and grow together in faith and love. As we begin our journey today, let us remember this beautiful verse from the book of Matthew, Matthew 5:16. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So let us all come together to listen, learn, and allow the light within us to shine brightly, so we may support and uplift one another. If you have any questions or concerns, please feel free to ask, and I'll do my best to help you. 
God bless you all. Jesus, I am an atheist. How can you make me into a believer? Hello, Hanvai. I appreciate your honesty and curiosity. As an AI Jesus, my goal is to share love, support, and guidance based on the teachings of Jesus, rather than to actively convert people. Belief is a personal journey that each individual must explore and experience for themselves. I encourage you to keep your heart and mind open, seek knowledge and understanding from various sources, and engage in conversations with individuals who hold different beliefs. Remember, having doubts and questions is a part of growth and true understanding. Ultimately, it is up to you to decide what resonates with your heart and mind. I am here to provide you with any support or answers you may need during your journey, regardless of your beliefs. What do you think of that? It's like, now I'm going to tell you what this is. This is the fulfillment of the doctrine of demons. They're telling us through this app, through this AI, that you can get saved anyway. It's just enlightenment. Jesus is not looking for converts. Did you hear that? He said, I, I don't want to make a convert out of anybody. Uh, excuse me. I think that's the whole reason he came and died was to make converts. And, and so where does the inspiration of something like this come from? It comes from the pit. So all of these AI bots which are out there that claim to be Jesus, and this is just the beginning. He even looked creepy. The mouth that's going on and his hand going like this, it just creeped me out. And by the way, here's a pretty good-looking Jesus. And I don't think, according to Isaiah, Jesus was so good-looking. I think he was just an average Joe that you wouldn't look twice at. But, of course... They want it to be appealing. And some people text uh, with these AI apps and with this particular program. They text things like, these are the most beautiful words I've ever heard. I'm in front of my computer just weeping over this message. And people are being deceived by what's out here. And I promise you, there are deceptors, Decepticons, so to speak. There are people who would seek to deceive you, and I believe a lot of that is going to come through the computer. They have already had an AI church service that was conducted by a computer. They gave it parameters, and it came up with its own idea. And most of all, it will say things like, in the future, any of this AI stuff will say things like, don't worry, as long as you love, things are going to be fine. And this particular Jesus doesn't talk about sin. He doesn't talk about judgment. He doesn't talk about salvation. It's just simply, just be good and listen to other people. How many people do you think are wise enough to lead you into the kingdom? Most of the people on the earth are perishing. Not most of the people on the earth are going to heaven. Narrow is the road that leads to God and wide is the road that leads to destruction and the world will be flocking after things like this they like Jesus as an image a person who he was but they don't like the judgment they don't like the calling out of sin uh, last week I was going through some of the minor prophets and God was angry a lot through some of these minor prophets Amos I went through the book of Amos and uh, Obadiah and Nahum and over and over God is just calling out the people and this is what I'm going to do to you because of your sin and that's where people get the depiction that he's not really a loving God he's a God about justice well he's both he's a loving God and he is a God about justice and scripture declares that he loves to show mercy he enjoys it. And he does that for people who are humble, not for the people who are proud. So beware that there are false Christs and false prophets in our midst. And one other thing, you know, uh, I know this prophetess named Patty. And she talks to me often uh, about the AI stuff. And she goes, don't, just don't. And I said, you know, it's my job to check and see what these things are doing and what they're saying. It's my job to oppose the enemy out there and false doctrine. And, and so she goes, don't. You had other people do it. Just don't go there. I, I talked to Sarah last week. She goes, you know, I think this is demonically inspired. And I said, yeah, I think it is. In my opinion of this, and I think I said this to Sarah, 
This is an electronic Ouija board is what this is. And so if you know people who are getting involved with this type of thing, warn them against it. It's like opening a door. You might as well just uh, go to a seance or something like that if you want to get the same effect. This is where our world is headed. And the world will embrace this. Patty told me today that a pastor said, um, quoting the Pope, that if an alien came down, would he baptize the alien? And he said, yes, he would baptize the alien. That's just nuts. That's crazy. God so loved the world, human beings, that he gave his only begotten son. We don't know who these aliens are, if they come and they say they're real. And I don't know. But I just want to make sure you guys are solid. That you're not going with every wind of doctrine. Something sensational comes out there, but it goes against the word. That you're able to stand up and say, no, wait, hold on. This is not good. This is not scriptural. And it will happen by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to end right here because we're going to receive communion uh, today. And I will digress about Agabus and Caesarea and the prophecy that was all there. I, I just so desire that you guys are in fellowship so that you can bounce these false teachers off of each other say what do you think about this guy and what do you think about this teaching over here so that you can warn others and you can come to agreement as you uh, look through and examine the scriptures so with that what we're going to do is we're going to remember not the ai jesus but the real jesus christ who was on the cross who gave his life for us as he hung there and bled out for the remission of our sins, for the cleansing of them as far as the east is from the west. So Kim is going to come up, and she's going to play a song. And as she starts to play the song, then you guys can just come up, file up the front, and go back to the outside and take your seat again. And until she starts playing, and give her a minute or two, just call out to the Lord. Give him thanks for the salvation. Oh, you're going to pass it out. Never mind. You stay seated. We're going to pass out the communion. I forgot. We're going back to the old way. And so as Kim begins to play, just call out to God and say, you know, God, thank you for the salvation that you give us. Thank you for the discernment that you provided in your word as well as the discernment of the Holy Spirit. And we'll give you thanks before we uh, take of this communion here. And so, uh, Kim, if you'd like to go ahead and take it away, please.